If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Hey coaches, TJ here. Are you tired of not having a clear roadmap or blueprint for how you get better as a coach? I've spent countless hours searching the web and coaching videos. I've subscribed to dozens of emails to get ideas on how to get better. And I've even been to every coach's clinic imaginable to try and piece together how to be more successful. I've ended up with notebooks and computer files packed with millions of drills, plays, and nuggets of wisdom, but there's no clear game plan for how to use them or how to know what might be missing. Getting better shouldn't be this hard. You shouldn't have to sort through all this clutter to get what you really need. You deserve to have the game plan, the resources, and the experts you need at your fingertips. And you should have all of these things when you need them most. And that's why we spent the past year creating a new program for coaches called Key5 Coaching. It's a one-stop shop for all coach education, inspiration, and support you need to get better as a coach. We recently opened up 500 membership spots to our PGC coaching community and the spot sold out in less than 36 hours. So you can't get in presently, but I highly recommend adding your name to the wait list for when we allow additional coaches to get in. Just go to key5coaching.com and take 30 seconds to sign up for the wait list. You can read all about the key five pillars of coaching while you're there. That's key5coaching.com. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, normally alongside my co-host, TJ Rosine, but today I'm going solo here up in Frederick, Maryland, and I'm joined by uh, someone I'm excited to kind of dig in and pick his brain because he's got a unique perspective that he is currently a player playing at the highest level in the Premier Lacrosse League, but he's also a coach, so he's got this great perspective of both sides. Before we jump in today with Ryan Drenner, let's catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker. Our friends over at Shot Tracker are changing the game with their new revolutionary technology that is making basketball more efficient and effective at all levels. Shot Tracker is made up of three components there's a Shot Tracker enabled ball, player sensors, and anchors in the rafter. And combining them all gives you high level, detailed analytics to be able to track everything your players are doing, spacing, movement, shot efficiency. It's absolutely incredible. Check out ShotTracker.com to learn more about how you can get connected to ShotTracker and begin changing the game for your team. Ryan, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing so good, man. We are out here. You're about to kick off practice here at 11 o'clock, and we have this beautiful kind of uh, view here, panoramic view as we're out here in Frederick, Maryland, and appreciate you kind of saying, hey, we could record here. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's a beautiful venue. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to, to work here for the fall, and uh, hopefully we can build a long relationship so we can continue to have practices here, but yeah. The, uh, the backdrop is perfect. It's perfect, man. So there's so much I want to go with, with, so many different directions I want to go with you. Obviously, you are, you're one of the best lacrosse players in the world, and I can confidently say that as you are leading your whip snakes of the Premier Lacrosse League to the championship game. And at the time of this recording, we're a week away from that. 
Next Saturday at 2.30, you're going to be going against the Redwoods. I, I want to ask you just from a preparation standpoint as an athlete, what changes the week of a championship game in your mind compared to week seven, week five, week three? What changes? Yeah, to be honest, I don't think a lot changes. You know, I think um, continue to do exactly the things that got me here um, and, and maybe just a little bit more focus into it, you know. Um, with it being our last opportunity to play as a team, you know, that uh, there's that opportunity to give it everything you have, you know. So there's no reason to kind of hold back in your preparation or your training leading up into it because, you know, this is our final test, and after this we don't have anything else. Are so. you adding a few extra minutes, a few extra reps, you know? Like, I mean, some of the granular details, or are you just saying, no, 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 I'm so, I just want to be so consistent with what I've always done, I'm, I'm not even changing it, or does it amp up a little bit? Uh, you know, for me, maybe it's a couple extra minutes, but at the end of the day, um, I kind of think about it like cramming for a final exam. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to overwork myself leading up into the game. Um, similar to how you would cram for an exam and then uh, and then maybe forget everything once the mm-hmm. test comes around. You know, I, I want to continue to do, like I said, continue to do what got me here, um, which is going out to shoot couple a couple minutes um you know 30 to 45 minutes a day making sure that my stick is dialed in and then uh working out twice a week so that you know i'm maintaining my strength and, and i'm feeling good going into the weekend so like i said keep keeping up with the the things that got me here and then like a, uh you know maybe a couple extra couple extra minutes a day out on the field and and um just additional focus you know just completely locked in for for the uh final exam coming up here at 2 30 on saturday so i, I want to jump in more to the pll which we will in a moment but you said something and i want to start there what got you here let's go back to where you were right so you were a public school player right for westminster high school in carroll county huge accolades i know you led your team to a state championship you're carroll county player of the year but you didn't get a lot of looks is that correct yeah yeah why do you think? I mean, you were Baltimore Sun Player of the Year. I mean, you did everything, I guess, it appeared that you needed to do, but you just weren't getting the looks, the exposure. When you look back on that, what do you think that was? Yeah, I think it has to do a lot with being a, a public public school player. Um, growing up and, and at the time where kids my age were getting recruited, a lot of that fell heavily on what club team you were playing for, what tournaments you were attending. Were you on a club team? I was, but uh, I played for a local club team. You know, One of the, the fathers that coached our rec team, he just started a club called CMD, um, and really the sole purpose was just to have all of us continue to play throughout the year, not just in the spring. Um, and we didn't go to big fancy tournaments, and we weren't we weren't winning events you know we were just going out there and having fun and so I played for CMD growing up and then as I mentioned you know in order to get recruited you had to be playing club somewhere and get noticed by a school and so my junior year which is really the 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 big but the big year for lacrosse athletes to get noticed, I joined Rock Lacrosse um, and played my my junior year. The fall of my junior year, I played with Rock in a couple tournaments. I got noticed by Towson and Marist were really my only two Division One interests. Um, and then, you know, my spring season, my junior year at Westminster, uh, we went to the state championship that year as well, but ended up losing. And th- I think after that. After that spring season is when Towson was like, okay, I think I think we're gonna take a chance on this guy. So, so let's talk about this. I mean, in today's world, high school sports have changed so much. It's almost like we're not even as concerned about the process or enjoying the process. It's really 
I need to get my scholarship. Right? I mean, there's yeah. this target, right? That like, everything is built around this scholarship. Did you consider not going to public school? Did you consider going to private? And I think, and what is your thought on the public school, private school dynamic now? Because I think kids right now are trying to figure it out. You know, like, do I need to be private? Can I get what I need to get in public? What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, so there wasn't really ever a thought about going to private school for me. Um, even, just, when, even when the looks weren't coming and you knew what you had and others were getting it, I mean, did, it, did the seed plant? Yeah, I think really all that did was kind of put a chip on my shoulder. You know, seeing, you know, social media guys going to Mount St. Joe and and St. Paul's and all those private schools down in Baltimore. You know, kids that I had played against that maybe I would either win my one-on-one matchup or our team might have played better than their team. Um, seeing those guys get recruited and, and commit right away, uh, kind of just put that chip on my shoulder. Sure. And it's something that I've carried with me my entire career. Um so yeah, I don't think it was. Ever, I never really wanted to go to private school. I, I kind of enjoyed having that chip on my shoulder and and having to work even a little bit harder than those guys to to get where I am. Um, and I think for kids growing up, you know, you don't you don't have to put yourself in a situation where you think you might get. You know, the grass isn't always greener on the other mm-hmm. side. You know, and so whatever your situation is, uh, if as long as you're doing the right things, you know, you can make something special out of that situation. You did comment though that club was very important though. Yeah. Right? Outside the high school space, the club space and the tournaments and that exposure was key. Is yeah. That correct. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just the tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the like I said, I, I played for CMD, and that, and that the sole purpose of that was just to continue to play. I, I loved playing lacrosse, and so I wanted to do that year round, and that that's. CMD provided me that opportunity, and then um, you know Rock was the more serious club, and and they were going to more uh, important tournaments where more scouts were going to be at, and then um, you know joining them definitely aided in my, in my uh, you know getting me to Towson. We you know the coaches of that Rock team definitely assisted in in the recruiting process to reach out to coaches and you know let them know what kind of player I am what mm. kind of person I am um, and then also let them know you know we're, we're going to be at these tournaments this fall and then it, this is our schedule coming up in the summer so make sure you guys come out to watch them and good for those coaches you know I always tell athletes today like it is so important to align yourself with coaches who will fight for you right Absolutely. and have your back and, and are willing to kind of put themselves out there but it, it also requires you to do what you need to do first right because coaches aren't going to put themselves out there yeah unless no, you're taking care of business i want to ask you from a high school athlete perspective what are high school athletes not doing enough of that when you look at them and and on one end they say man i'm trying to get my scholarship i'm trying to play d1 you know and they talk this talk and then you watch their behaviors or you watch their work ethic or their habits where are they falling short oftentimes when you see it, what frustrates you you're like listen i understand what you're saying but what you're doing isn't working. What are they not doing enough of in your perspective? Yeah, I think it's just that. I think it's a little bit too much talk and, and not enough work. Mm. Um, and something that helped me personally was the the mentality that no matter what I'm doing, there's always going to be somewhere, some other kid within our country here that is doing something extra, you know? And so no matter what it was, whether I was out shooting on the field or working out, um, Whatever I was doing there, I know that I needed to do a little bit more. Um, so maybe it was two workouts a day or, um, you know, extra time on the wall or shooting on the goal. Um, I think a lot of kids now, they rely on their practice to get them better. 
And really what gets you better is the work outside of practice. Mm. You know, every kid in the country is practicing with his team every day during the spring. Um, it's the kids that the, the kids that differentiate themselves are the ones that are working either before and after practice. You know, they're not just going to use their two hours with their coach as the time to get better. So when you were going through high school, what did that work outside of practice look like? Yeah, like so, give a glimpse. Yeah, I grew up in, in uh, Carroll County, Finksburg, Maryland. Not much to do there, you Not much say. to do at all. <laughs> and, um, and really, I think that's what helped me improve my skill. You know, there wasn't anything to do, so I used my backyard, um, a little tiny cement plate that I propped up against uh, a tree as my wall ball. Um, so, you know, anytime I was home, I would get my work done, my homework, and I would go out and, and I would spend time with my lacrosse stick, a uh, couple balls, my goal, and then that, that little cement block that really helped my me, me develop my skill. I'm, I'm so fascinated, Ryan, with this like underdog mentality that you have, right? This kind of this chip on the shoulder. What caused that? I mean, was it the lack of exposure and scholarship offers? Was it manufactured in your own mind? Because I think a lot of players, I don't think it's a bad thing. They almost manufacture the chip, right? They say, oh, you know, they, they, they kind of exaggerate the story. You know, no one's yeah. looking at me. No one's giving me the looks. And they build it up in their own mind, which I don't think is a, a negative at all. Where did the chip grow? Where did it start? Where did it grow? How's it been manufactured? Um, you know, I think it could definitely be manufactured. I think just throughout my life, I, I always wanted to feel like there was people against me, you know, and, and proving people wrong. And so my junior year, when September 1st hit and, I, and my phone wasn't blowing up, my emails, <laughs> my like, inbox was dry. you like, yeah. let's go. That was kind of the thing that... Um, you know, solidified that chip on my shoulder. You know, I feel like I always had one, and maybe it was manufactured. Maybe I just wanted to have that chip to to drive me a little bit farther. And then, like I said, when when I wasn't getting reached out September first, or really any, at all during the month of September, um, that solidified my chip, and I wanted to prove people wrong. You know, I wanted to. I knew that eventually I would find a home, and uh, I knew that when I got to that home that I wanted to give them all that I had to prove everyone else wrong, that, that they made a mistake for not giving me a chance. And that home is Towson University where you led your team, I believe, to three CAA yes, championships, yep. right? Yeah, and you also were 2016 CAA Player of the Year, 2017 Towson University Player of the Year. I mean, the awards are full Talk about your experience at Towson, because one thing that I, I saw that you comment on, that um, there was a mental toughness in the culture at Towson University. I've been around Towson. My brother went to Towson. There's a little bit of an edge down there. It's like a little city feel of sorts. Yep. It's big time of a program, enough to compete, but doesn't get the love and attention, right? Maybe kind of adds to that chip a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Speak to the culture at Towson that you enjoyed so much and that mental toughness. What does that mean to someone who's not familiar with the term? Yeah, so for us, it was just about um, embracing adversity, you know, our, our coaching staff. And I, and I think Towson couldn't have been a more perfect fit for me. Uh, like you mentioned, it, it kind of – they were always the little brothers of all the other schools in the Baltimore area. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and so – Hopkins yeah, is the big brother and such. Exactly. And um, and so my my freshman class, I think there were 16 of us, um, and, and the majority of us were – Maryland public school kids you know we had a couple of New Jersey kids um, but a couple of New York kids but for the for the most part the majority of those 16 kids were Maryland public schools came from Maryland public school and um, we all had that chip on our shoulder you know and then we we just that chip grew as we were on campus at Towson and we started figuring out like like I said you know 
all the other schools get way more attention than Towson does and, and we wanted to make sure that um, you know we were going to earn that attention we didn't want to just step on campus and have attention because we were playing at Towson you know we wanted to earn it and really the I, I think like I said it was a perfect fit for me um, the the coaching staff they they tried to put adversity on our plate every single day and, and see how we reacted to that you know they always preached they, they didn't want to see you know they know that anyone can win their one-on matchup and and get a shot on goal and whatever it is anybody on the field can make a play um, but it, they're looking for players that um, they stand out after the play so even even if you score what are you going to do right after that play or even if you turn it over what are you going to do right after that play um, so no matter what it was in practice or conditioning lifting whatever it was they always tried to add a little bit of adversity to see how we reacted to that and I think by having just daily adversity and, and having to fight through it mm-hmm. and, and figure out like why are our coaches even doing this to us um, but fighting through it and coming out on the other side I think that just makes you better and, and that's what mental toughness was for us so good and in many ways you helped put Towson on the map of lacrosse right that program is significantly different today than maybe a decade ago right yeah, props to you for that hey let's take a quick break with our friends over at team snap and we'll continue the conversation want to jump into some PLL stuff before we wrap up thanks to our friends over at team snap for today's halftime communication tip I was listening to a pastor speak the other day And he shared a story that for an entire year, he preached using nothing but a children's Bible. He said throughout the year, people would challenge him and say, you can't do that, Pastor. You've got to go deeper. The people want to go deeper. And he said, well, you know, what I've learned is that oftentimes when we go deeper, we forget about the basics. And the basics tend to hold the most powerful principles And we need to master those before we move on to the next. I was thinking about that as it relates to coaching. I think with times, we want to go deeper with our teams. We want to expand our playbook and our verbiage and and try to do more and add on more. And I wonder if communicating the basics, just making sure we truly understand what's most important is most important. This week, I'm going to challenge you to potentially avoid the trap of wanting to go deeper because that makes you feel better, makes you feel like you're accomplishing more. Make sure your team knows the basics. Make sure they have that down. Make sure they are strong on what is most important. Once they get that and you are confident they do, then build, or in this case, go deeper. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app serving over 15 million people across the globe. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, as we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, obviously you have your championship game this upcoming Saturday at 2.30, which if you're in the Maryland area listening to this and you're looking for a good spot to watch the game, I'm hosting a PLL watch party at Buffalo Wild Wings in Urbana. Make sure you check that out. We're going to kind of fill the place up. They're going to play the game and have the audio going. It's going to be pretty live over there at Urbana. But, Ryan, getting ready for this upcoming week, first off, I want to ask you, PLL, I've talked about it on the episode on the show before, Premier Lacrosse League, first year in its existence, taking professional lacrosse to the next level in many ways. Why is the PLL so important to this game? Oh, man, I, I think they're just doing all – they're taking all the right steps. You know, um, as a player, it's everything that 
you dream of as a kid growing up wanting to play professional sports. You know, we're getting treated first class. Um, the experience every single weekend is exactly, like I said, exactly what you dream of. Um, you know, the players get treated very well. Um, and the, the competition is incredible. And I think what they're doing for the sport is displaying that competition and, and the talent level uh, each weekend to a broader audience, which is just it's exactly what the sport needs. You know, for so long, lacrosse couldn't be viewed from people outside the lacrosse community. And now, you know, I see it retweeted by PLL pretty much every week. There's people tweeting out how they've never seen lacrosse before. They're predominantly a football fan or basketball fan, but they turned on NBC Sports and saw lacrosse. and, And they loved how action-packed it is and how exciting the games are and how competitive the games are so we're just creating new fans each and every week Mm -hmm. and it's it's super exciting and it's been an honor to be a part of this for the first year because i think they're changing changing the game and i absolutely agree i got two questions for you and, and then we'll wrap up here ryan first is you come together with a new team i've been fascinated with how what is the feeling out process let's take it back 12 weeks however many weeks ago when you first started what is the feeling out process of who emerges as the leaders within the group the voices within the group everyone stars in their own right and they come together as a newly formed team and in many ways all of our teams these days are newly formed with transfers and coming in i mean everyone's kind of filling each other out what was the feeling out process and and how did you all evolve and emerge as leaders within that group yeah, so for our team, the Whipsnakes, it, it was a pretty quick process of feeling out. Um, you know, the way PLL decided to split teams up, they they put teams together based on where guys played in college. And so... Regionally. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, there's a... Like, for example, the Whipsnakes, we have, I think... 96% of our roster all came from Maryland. Mm. You know, out of our four, out of our 20 dressing guys that dress each and every week, 14 of those guys are all Maryland Terrapins. Um, and so for us, we were able to quickly kind of just buy into what that what that culture was. You know, right from the get go at training camp, they mentioned like, yeah, we all came from Maryland, but we're not the Terrapins anymore. We're the Whip Snakes. Mm. And so while they had a lot of chemistry and, and, there. And you're like, good, because I was a Tiger, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and they're, all those guys are awesome. You know, they, they bring everyone in with welcoming arms. Um, but, you know, our, our goal was to be, you know, playing this weekend for a championship, and that's exactly what we've done. And I think a lot of credit goes to our leaders. You know, it was easy for our team to pick out leaders. Um, you know, we have guys, um, Drew Snyder, uh, Michael Earhart and and Jake Bernhardt, those three were the leaders of Team USA's national team. Mm. And so to have three of those guys be the leaders on our team, um, it's easy to follow those guys. You they, know, they, they, they didn't pay attention to the leader dynamic when they <laughs> made these rosters. Yeah, they stacked seriously. you in that regard. Absolutely, I think I think we got stacked um, pretty much in in every regard. You know, <laughs> right. I, I'm very fortunate to be a part of the Whip Snakes team. Uh, it's a special group, and we have a lot of talent. But I think what separates us from the other teams is that we play so well together. Mm. Um, you know, something that's unique with the Maryland guys is they don't. They don't care who's getting recognized for the plays. You know, they don't care who's making the assist or who's scoring the goal. As long as our team is scoring, everybody's happy. Um, and it's it's a unique situation in professional lacrosse where normally, um, you know, it, pretty much every roster is an all-star team. Yeah. And so 
you know, anybody can win their one-on-one matchup anywhere on the field, but you can't sustain that for an entire season. And so the teams that play best together and, and play as a team, those are the ones that have success. And I think that's the reason we're going to be playing on Saturday. You know, you know and, and they're thankful to have you on the team, right, because you've developed this um, kind of – uh, resume now of being Mr. Clutch, right? Coming up big at the end of games. I know, I forget how many game winners? Uh, three or four. Three or four, yeah. yeah, exactly. You get to a certain number, you're like, yeah, three or four. <laughs> what, what helps you remain confident? And this is the last question for you, right? What helps you remain confident that at the end of a game, hey, call on my number? Even if the game hasn't been great, right? Even if you haven't been playing your best, you still want and believe that like you can make the play when it matters most. Because I think a lot of athletes aren't mentally tough enough Right, maybe if they're if they're having a great game, it's like yes, feed me. Right, sure. if, if they're down a little bit, they they maybe not call for the ball or look for the ball as much. Regardless of the circumstances, you want the ball in your hand when it matters most. What's allowed you to kind of thrive in that moment mentally? Yeah, well, I think it's a, a little bit of my preparation. You know, um, I, I mentioned it on a podcast I was with on earlier this year. Kind of the Mamba mentality of mm. you know not hyping up any one shot in the game. You know, whether it's the first shot you take in a game or the last one. Um, you know, you rely on your preparation and you take that with confidence. Um, but a lot of it, you know, truthfully, is my teammates. You know them having the confidence in me to pass me the ball in those situations gives me the confidence to, to make those plays, you know, and something else is a lot of those I'm either one-on-one with the goalie or I'm wide open with my hands free from seven yards, you know, so it's, it, I can't take too much credit because they're kind of, they're, they're shots that I should make, you mm. know, and for a couple of them, um, you know, I remember the the game in D.C. We were playing Atlas. I was like 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 shooting that day. And so when I caught that ball in the fourth quarter, you know, all I'm thinking about is this has to go in or I might lose my job, you know. <laughs> so um, just staying consistent with every shot that, that you take, uh, not hyping up one over another. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the the confidence that my teammates have in me and, and really it's it's what they do around me to set me up in those situations that allow me to, to make those plays. So good, so good. Ryan, well, first of all, best of luck uh, this upcoming Saturday. Thanks, as sir. You, you try to take the crown for the first ever PLL championship. I'll be watching, and I'm a Whip Snakes guy, a Maryland guy myself, so I'll certainly be cheering for you all. Listen, practice is about to begin. We're going to wrap up here. I appreciate everyone listening. I am Adam, normally alongside TJ Rosine. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out.